I'm Jahan Giles, and this is the Take the Next Step podcast, brought to you by Johnny Walker. In each episode, we'll meet everyday people, just like you and me, who have been bold enough to take the next step and lead a life of their own design. Their stories will inspire and enable you to be daring. The most important step isn't your last, it's your next. I'm so delighted to be talking to Chris Panzetta and Tash Tan, who run a busy creative technology company called S1T2. Story first, technology second. They use new tech, augmented reality and virtual reality to tell stories for brands, agencies and charities. I met Chris and Tash in a bar to have a drink and a chat about what they're up to right now, what's next for them and what their journey has been like. Hey, what can I get you? Can I please have a Johnny Walker Red Highball, please? Make that two, please. Uh, actually, make that three with fresh limes. No worries. Welcome to the show, guys. I am so excited to find out more about your journey and S1T2. I love how varied your work is, but let's get back to the beginning. How did you guys meet? Because I hear it wasn't exactly rosy at the start. Do you want the PG version or the... Um, <laughs> the real version. The uncensored version. <laughs> uncensored, always. Well, Chris and I met in university and funnily enough, before we started the company, we weren't exactly friends. Um, so I kind of always knew him as the guy that was hanging out with his girlfriend in lectures. And I think, I don't know, you'd have to check this with him, but I think he always used to know me as a guy that carried a soccer ball around. Yeah. All right, go, no, right, jump in. <laughs> so Tash is the type of guy that when the lecture had already started, Tash would walk in kicking the soccer ball in the middle of 100 people and then proceed to kick the ball up each stair all the way to the back. <laughs> I was good at soccer. Waited, so. <laughs> there you go, guys. Thank you. Amazing. Right. Thank yeah, it looks you. great. So how we came about working together is... Um, there was a university society that focused on making films and short stories. And what happened was that there was a big vote with the current members and Chris voted against me joining. Well, there was eight core members and okay, now we have to make money and things like that. And here Tash comes with kind of two of his other programmer mates and I'm like, well... And a soccer ball. And a soccer ball. Of course. And I'm like, well, we're making films. What the hell does like a designer and a programmer have to do with us and how are we going to feed, you know, 12 people instead of eight. So, but thankfully, I, I love being proved wrong and I was definitely wrong and gladly outvoted at that point. Yeah. So, also, you got outvoted. So you were accepted was, into the society. I was accepted by Chris into the company. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, you both knew you wanted to get into tech and production and storytelling, but you also knew that landing a rewarding and well-paid job straight out of uni seemed like a difficult task. I mean, it is, because um, yeah, I guess, let's be honest, we have to bust our balls, we have to work all the way up the so-called career ladder for years, and it's often blocked by budgets and ego. So what was it that actually inspired you to forge a business and a partnership together? Mm. Well, funny enough, I think the story of how we um, got to join the company and become friends is a good analogy for you know what we're trying to do and, and how we got here. So the, I think at the crux of it, it's all about diversity. And that's diversity of ideas, diversity of culture and all these different things. And I think 
with Chris and I, when we got to know each other more, we realized we had this common ambition, but how we saw things was very different um, for, for the better. Mm. And, um, you know, we, there was this kind of fateful day in his house, in his room, and we kind of threw it out there and said, look, we're kind of doing this as a hobby. We're kind of doing this as a passion. Are we serious about making this a reality and making it a business? Let's look at that first day when you started working together. What was it like and what was your first step? <laughs> well, I remember a thought on, uh, I don't know if it was our first day. So we moved actually into, my dad had a small business and we moved into a small corner, like a little, little desk of his office there. Do you sharing a desk? No. <laughs> yeah, we were pretty much sharing a desk. Um, and I remember walking to, it's so funny, because I remember walking to the office and I was saying, I can't wait to the point, I can't wait to get to the day where I actually have something to do with my day. Like, as in, because you know, okay, I have a business now, but there's nothing, you have no clients, what do you do, what yeah. do you do next? And now, I'm like, every day, I wish I didn't have so much to do. <laughs> <laughs> Rewind, let me yeah. go back to that first day where you're sort of sitting there going, okay, yeah. what do I do next? Well, I guess that, I mean, that's really the challenge. It's where do you start? Totally. You know? Let's say we open the new business tomorrow. It's it's like, what do you do first? Because there's so much to do. And it's, you know, even in creative, the biggest challenge we always say, now we're in the position where we have um, briefs that are almost blank canvases. You know, what's that first splodge of paint you put down? Beautiful. It's, it's very tough. Um, so what we did is that we actually decided we needed to learn from someone who knew business. And um, I had an uncle fortuitously at the time that was running a, a digital signage company in Malaysia. So Chris and I decided we'd go there on a scouting mission, learn business in a week. Oh, I bet that felt amazing. Ah, oh, so naive. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we went to Malaysia and we just sponged it all up, like tried to learn as much as we could. And I'd say we took a lot from it, but now looking back on it, there was so much more. It was just the start of this journey, really. Completely. How did you take the next step and start becoming a successful business? So how do you keep the ball rolling, essentially? There's a, there's a great domino effect that I think comes with um, attracting clients of certain stature or prestige. I think it allows us to go to the market and tell other people and say, look, you know, we can do great work. It's not just we believe we can, we have proof now. And we've, I guess what we've done really well is used milestones to springboard us to the next step. Um, so we started with two of us in a small corner of our office. Now we have our own office and there's about 20 of us. Um, the projects we work on started locally, then we worked nationally and now internationally. So you've obviously learned a lot in business, which we've discussed, but what are the top five rules you've learned in business so far that continuously help you take the next step? And I'm really curious to know how you've actually come up with these rules. Well, I guess it's no surprise to hear that the first one is that the most important rule is, you know, a healthy and a good culture um, and maintaining that. So it's always having your ears open it's always watching, but it's, you can do that because you prioritize. It's just about recognizing that culture is important and prioritizing that it can always be improved. Um, don't take it for granted. Because if you get the culture right, you've created a machine almost that will create great work continually or create great things or achieve your mission. On the flip side, obviously from your perspective, you learn how to create the culture. But if I'm an employee looking 
you know, to work for you guys and I've got like my contract or my role and there's always a section that has, you know, culture, what you can expect for us. What is that? The hard part about that is putting, define like, so things are like, yeah, okay, Friday drinks are important, but you see in a lot of places where Friday drinks become this weird, like, awkward thing where people have to hang around. So we don't have this official Friday drinks anymore. Uh, it's just about, I think Tash talks about it a fair bit, it's like in creating a family or similar interests and passions where people do things. So for example, there's a Dungeons and Dragons sessions <gasps> on Thursdays. Are you serious? Some people take, but then there's That's different awesome. things. It's different, but it's not for everyone. Like you can't try and create this false, um, like feeling that everyone has to be involved. It's just a more about a shared, that's why shared purpose and interests are really important. And autonomy is a very interesting idea because when you really think about pragmatically implementing that, right? What does it actually mean? Yeah. So autonomy could be, for example, in a typical workplace, you set, okay, you've got to be at work at nine and you're going to finish at five, 5.30. But autonomy could mean if someone has to work late the day before, what time do they have to go in? You know, there's stuff like, can you use social media at work? Um, can you take a holiday whenever you want? So I think there's a dichotomy that plays out, right? Because we're like, yes, we're all about empowerment. We're all about autonomy. But then it's like, how much is too much versus do you give complete autonomy? And it, it comes all the way back to like treating people as humans. Because if someone wants to do great work, if someone's inspired to do great work, they will do it. Inversely, if they don't feel like doing it and they don't want to, they just won't. It doesn't matter what structures and systems you put in place. They just won't do it. So let's rewind back to um, the early days in terms of not fighting the boring bits was getting an accountant or a financial team surrounding you one of the early things that you did because I feel like a lot of creatives who are starting to work for themselves they don't forget they forget to do these things so I guess who are the people that you had supporting you with regards to the boring bits at the beginning phases of your business well it's interesting because our first hire was an accounts hire but then we realized that was probably a huge mistake. <laughs> um, we realized it was a mistake because we knew it's not something you can pass off. So like for a very long time, even it's only just now we're starting to get an accounts team in place. Like Tash has taken a lot of um, you know, the accounts responsibilities and you know, we all, it, Jana and myself all equally have to get involved because if you don't understand the numbers, you can't make the right decisions anyway. Um, so it's all, a business is a multifaceted entity. You can't just understand one part because they all feed off each other. Which is so important and I understand now why this comes into one of your rules, don't fight the boring bits because you guys aren't necessarily just hiring out experts to fill um, the boring bits in, you're actually interested in learning and doing them yourselves, mm. which is so important. Okay, what else do you have on your rules? Uh, well, obviously you've got to kind of just do what feels right and I think that's one of the rules is that particularly when you're always trying to do something new and innovative or something that you haven't, you know, you're not, no one's really going out to copy someone else. Um, you don't always know um, or have all the answers. So a lot of the times it's about um, following your gut instinct essentially and just saying, all right, I'm going to back this and go for it 110%. And um, someone told me once, it was interesting, um, in an interview, he said, like, look, sometimes the best, it's great to have a mission, even if it's the wrong mission, but at least you're heading in one direction. Um, and I think for us, luckily, our instincts have been largely right. And, you know, you've got to learn to trust that gut. So give me an example where you've actually had to go, okay, this actually doesn't feel right. We're not going to go ahead with it. The, the interesting thing about doing what feels right is we're talking about rules when I think a big part of it is knowing when not to follow your rule. Yeah. Um, so an example 
that um, to take it back a couple of years is that I think three years ago, four years ago, we, we looked at our roster of clients and we had 800. 800 clients serviced by a company at that point, which was only 12 people or maybe even less, 10 people. And we were just like, man, how are we doing this? This is, this is insane, right? And so we made this rule. We were like, all right, we're only going to do projects that are of a certain value or higher. But constantly we find ourselves actually breaking that because you come across that person that maybe needs your help or maybe is a friend or maybe is um, a future investment or something. And I think going back to the rule, do what feels right. It's about creating these processes and systems, but also knowing when you can maybe skirt them or at least ignore them for a time because your, your moral compass or what's inside you is saying do otherwise. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, cool. And what about your fourth rule? Fourth rule is definitely thinking big. And I think, like, obviously, the biggest examples of that are, you know, even when you're in university, we didn't go out to start a business, which was going to be the two of us in a small shop. We wanted to have, like, a successful business that made an impact and was kind of worth pursuing as a career. You shouldn't sell yourself short by just trying to make these small goals. Think, have a big one and then break it down into small little goals and track how you're going towards it. Um, and that's why I think it's part of finding meaning and being rewarding is thinking bigger than yourself. Everyone wants to be part of something bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why like, you know, our team is bigger than ourselves and that's why I think where the culture thing comes from. And for your last rule, what's that? Last rule is love what you do. And for us, this is really a case of you know, for all the journey, for all the burden and, and maybe tired days you have, always taking you back to remembering that we do this for a reason. And you always have to rediscover and remember that it is definitely fun. And for everything that happens, good or bad, I don't think Chris and I would have it any other way. Yeah, like when, when you're in a situation where you're literally walking up and down the aisles of coals, to find a microwave <laughs> meal that's like $3 and you're, being, you're buying a week's worth because the money's not there or a project's not going how you thought it was. You just, if you love what you do, that's what can pull you through. I love that. You guys, amazing. <laughs> I feel like I'm learning so much, which is so important. So Chris and Tash, now that you're here, you're doing what you love, what is next for you? Next steps is definitely bigger and better. I think naturally we are gravitating towards work that is more internationally based. Um, And the reason for that is because I feel like there's a big growing demand for our work outside of Australia. And Australia is always home to us and we love going to different states and doing work. But some of the projects we're doing overseas, you know, just by virtue of budget or by virtue of the opportunities, we are able to really push ourselves in that context of innovation. Yeah, I think it's really like, the phases we've gone through is like, okay, learning how to run a business, surviving. Then it was about, okay, what's our true meaning and purpose now that the fundamentals are down there? And now it's about, okay, how do we prove that purpose to the world? Like, we know we can do it as a team, but how do we, you know, speak to the people we want to speak to or how do we actually have a social impact in some way? So very much now it's about looking at how we can do that um, and just thinking what's that next big step? What's the next big thing, I guess, um, to go forward? Guys, I absolutely love those tips. They are so helpful and I'm sure a lot of listeners will start putting them into practice straight away. I know you guys have inspired me throughout the entire episode. As you can see, I've written hundreds of notes. 
on my uh, notebook next to me. So I have to say it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you guys today and just getting an insight into your world. It's been so inspiring and thank helpful. You. And yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, Jahan. Yeah, it's been awesome. The S1T2 guys are a great example of recognizing an amazing working relationship with a friend and turning that relationship into a thriving business with a huge team and global clients. Their practical yet creative approach to business is so insightful and I hope their tips and advice have inspired you to take the next step because the most important step isn't your last, it's your next. You've been listening to the Take the Next Step podcast brought to you by Johnny Walker.